I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is the Mint One Podcast, where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. So Rob, for the third week in a row, we have another special guest. We do. This week, it's Donnie Dinch, CEO of Bitsky. Donnie Dinch, welcome to the podcast, CEO of Bitsky. How are you doing today? Doing well. How about you? Yeah, doing great. Have a cold, but we'll muddle through. Um, so Bitsky, um, been active in the space for a while now, but uh, February, kind of mid-February, um, you had uh, your wallet. So do you want to talk about uh, kind of the story of Bitsky to date um, and that big update that you had in February? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll I'll start with the with the beginning of the origin story. Um, end of 2017, uh, we'd been myself and my co-founders had been spent the fall trading shitcoins, having no idea what we were doing, um, and uh, finally stumbled across CryptoKitties. And um, myself, as my background is in uh, you know consumer product package design, um, built other sort of uh, design driven software, and I was like, this is interesting. I can buy a digital asset and I can sell it, and I can no longer like use it or look at it. Um, meanwhile, spending a few hundred dollars on banana outfits a month in Fortnite and having no liquidity with those, um, it kind of I feel it, it you seemed, there. yeah, yeah. And it all of a sudden seemed to make sense that, hey, this idea of like digital ownership and the, the ability to have liquidity with these digital assets makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we kind of looked at like the whole space and like, you know, first things first, like what does everyone need in order to own something? They need a place to put it. And so we looked at the wallet as this common denominator project. And um, while everyone was kind of doing what we actually just shipped in February, was doing extensions or, you know, DAP browsers and things, we kind of wanted to flip it on its ear and we kind of wanted to make a wallet that was for people who didn't need to understand blockchain, didn't need to understand sort of the underpinnings of what's happening, um, but ultimately enable these new experiences of let me sell my goddamn Fortnite skin. And so um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of work in business logic that happens in the, in the, you know, for that to come to reality, but there are these primitives that needed to exist. And we felt that the wallet was one of the most important ones. Um, and so, you know, for the past three, four years now, we've been sort of hell bent on building the best wallet experience. Um, we took a little bit of, uh, you know, we, we've done a few different things to try to create wallet growth for us. We did a commerce sort of like a, you can call it like Stripe for NFTs or Shopify for NFTs, which we work with big brands and, you know, we allow people to buy NFTs with credit cards. Our whole thing has been to abstract the complexity of this. Um, but uh, in at the end of uh, or at the beginning of 2022, we really kind of heads down, decided to listen like our wallet has been good, but let's make it great. Let's have like let's 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 objectively build the best NFT wallet experience that exists, and that's what we shipped in February. And so, um, on iOS and uh, browser extension, we have uh, an incredibly polished uh, what we think is probably the best NFT experience for any wa- in, in any wallet. That's interesting. I'd like to stay with the wallet for um, a minute. O- yeah. Obviously, it's uh, an area in Web three that's very important. John and I have discussed a lot. Something that you touched on there, which is um, onboarding needs to be as simple as possible. Blockchain needs to be running in the background, not the front and center piece, which is is why onboarding is so difficult. We've also, uh, we've talked to a number of guests about how, you know, if you can't onboard your mum, then it's too hard. Sure. Like if my mum can't create a, a wallet, um, then it's still too difficult. So one thing that has um, confused me a little bit and I'm hoping you can unpack it is I was looking at the, the, the whole conversation of custodial versus non-custodial wallets. So um, I'd love to know, firstly, what's your thoughts on custodial um, versus non-custodial and the sort of onboarding versus security element. Um, but then also I've noticed you used a term which I haven't seen before, which is self-custodial. 
which just sounds to me like non-custodial. Um, so I was hoping you could kind of unpack that difference. Yeah, well, so there's a couple of things. Whenever um, whenever you create a Bitsky account, well, I'll, let me take a step back. I think custodial and non-custodial are probably, everything doesn't fall into those two buckets. I think that that's mm-hmm. generally how we've thought about it prior to, like historically through banking, but it's a little bit different in this case. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. So whenever you create a Bitsky account, every user gets a, what we call a Bitsky vault or a wallet. That wallet lives in our own hardware security modules. Those live in hard and biometrically secure data centers and are regionally distributed. Basically, we have these things configured such that your key stays in hardware, your private key. It's never exportable, which means it's never stealable. And all transactions are signed in hardware. That's something that was actually very hard and very novel for us to build. So you can think of the Bitsky vault is like one of like 4 billion ledgers in the cloud uh, that we have. So you and only you have access to that. What's unique about it is that Bitsky as a company doesn't have the ability to sign or manage your assets. We, you, It's all user generated. We just make sure that that key stays safe. Um I'll tell you very early on, we weren't religious about very many things, but we we're religious that private keys needed to stay in hardware. Um, and I think we've opened up a little bit about that, um, primarily because one of the be- you know benefits of Web3 is optionality. And if you want to have the responsibility mm-hmm. of having your key out, then you should be able to. And that's you know what we support now. So in addition to everyone getting a Bitsky vault, you can now import your own self-custody key that you may already have. Like, you know, you have it in from MetaMask, you export from MetaMask or something like that. You can bring that into your Bitsky account. Um, so for us, we basically support both uh, um, both methods. I think long term, let's say over the next year or so, I think self-custody will still continue to be prevalent until we start to see very big mainstream use cases. Like the minute that a game that has, let's say, a million monthly active players introduces... Actually, let's, see, let's look at Reddit. Reddit is a, is a great example. They have six and a half million wallets and none of those people have any idea what their private key is. And so like that's a what we see is this is very much like the high ceiling adoption level is like you need to have a wallet experience that's like this. But in the meantime, the enthusiast, you know, before we fully cross the chasm, I think having self-custody support is something that's quite important. And, and we prioritize that in the latest release. Mm. Also, I, I think just going on to kind of the user friendliness of um, the Bisky wallet, um, I understand you can set up your wallet without using a seed phrase. You want to describe kind of exactly how you can have a wallet without having to, you know, protect, think of, you know, write down the seed phrase? Yeah. I mean, really, you just sign up with an email and password. Signing up for a Bitsky wallet is as easy as signing up for a Gmail account. Um, and we, we heavily enforce uh, 2FA. Uh, you also We also support um, Passkey, which is Google's new security uh, me- mechanic. And then um, we also support WebAuthn. Um, and I think that, that WebAuthn might be in beta, which is using like a YubiKey or something. So ultimately, here's the thing. You don't, reason you don't need a, reason you don't need a seed phrase is because you don't know that you're, you don't know what your private key is. We keep that secure in hardware the whole time. And the seed phrase is just a way to, for you to have access to that private key. Um, and so we don't expose that. Uh, the other thing is, and you know, what, how do we feel about security? The reality is the hardware security modules are purpose built machines for keeping private keys safe. Like if you shake them, if you have like a magnetic nearby, a magnet nearby, like it's like Mr. Robot shit. Like you can't just like these aren't going to get hacked. And so the, that basically eliminates all attack vectors or minimizes them all to effectively phishing. And so anything that we can do, whether passkey is unfishable effectively. And so the things that we put around your Bitsky account, we think it's much more likely that you would get fished anyway, or that you would like, like lose your uh, seed phrase than get fished. And so that's why we don't really expose it to people. Now that said, if you do import your own, you know, we can, you can import a seed phrase now. Um, but for most users, setting up a Bitsky wallet is easy as just signing up for a Gmail account. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think one question I, I have off the back of that is, I, so I love it when companies in Web3 are particularly security centric. I think it's it's crucial, particularly with how um, you know Web3 has evolved in the last five or six years. It's been rocky in, in places, whether it's large scale hacks or um, more prevalent is the rug pulls and scams. How do you, obviously you work with a lot of different projects and you don't want your name smeared by one of those going rogue. How do you avoid these sort of rug pulls and scams when you're, you're working with people? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, luckily now I'll even take a little bit of a step back here. We've been building this wallet for quite a while. Um, Web3 is still a new sort of like nascent space. And we're starting to see like great infrastructure providers start to come to market. Uh, you know, when we started, there was no alchemy. We had to run our own ETH nodes and, and, you know, we had to do our own NFT API, all these different things. And now you have, you have companies like Alchemy, Symbolhash, and another one that we've really leveraged is called Blowfish. And they allow us to simulate transactions, uh, in real time. So basically anytime you try to do something before you actually get the ability to hit authorize, we simulate that transaction and give you a visual representation of what's going to like leave your wallet. Um, it's insane, like how, how, how helpful this is. Uh, we, when we were testing it, we were looking for basically rug sites or scams. And, um, w- what's really crazy is you already know that like signing a transaction, uh, on web three and Ethereum or something, it, it's wonky. Sometimes like, you know, wallet connect might not be working or like, you, you know, you have a delay. The thing about the, most of these scams is once you like connect your wallet, it takes a lot of time to look and see what's in your wallet and then decides what it wants to steal. And so then eventually like this modal comes up and luckily we've reviewed, like I, I was doing a live demo to a, to a group and I, I found this like fake pudgy penguin site and, um, it, it tried to steal all of my sand tokens. Like, and like I would have never known because it would have been like a gobbly goop of code if we didn't have this like transaction simulation. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we prioritize. Uh, we take the time to de- like not, so I'll tell you this, not only on the transaction side, but if you look at the activity feed that we've built into the app, it's not just like, hey, this transaction, this date, this ether scan link. It's everything is heavily decoded so you can read it like a human. Like, hey, I purchased this NFT. It's this NFT from this collection on this date. This is the price I paid. Or I gave OpenSea access to manage this collection because I needed to sell something. Most people don't even realize that they're giving OpenSea access to that collection. And so having that sort of... I mean, basically going that extra mile is something that's very important for us. And I think it comes from not only like a security perspective, but just like a building for humans type thing. Like I am not, I am not a brilliant engineer by any means, but I do understand that like, Hey, I'm, I understand the Lego pieces of what we have. I need my wallet to be able to tell me what have I done with my wallet? Like what have, what, what have I done with my assets and very human readable back to like your mom's perspective? Like she needs to know I purchased this. Not that I signed some crazy transaction on some mm-hmm. seaport contract you know, yesterday or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think building on that, uh, as we've already discussed, the kind of this enhanced user experience, um, looking at the Bitski website, you have um, wallet activity alerts, you know, for transactions, messages, exactly. I, I kind of wanted to dive into that a bit more. How, uh, what kind of messages does your wallet activity uh, kind of notification pick up? And what's the, the kind of the full scope of that? So again, I think that because people want to have good introspection on what's happening on their wallet, like no, the notifications are quite helpful. Uh, it's very similar to what you would see, you know, if with your credit card or something. Anytime you get an NFT sent to you, you get a notification. Anytime you make a transaction, any sort of on-chain activity, uh, we try to send you an alert about. Um, and we're also working with different providers to add off-chain activity. So let's say that I, a great example is OpenSea. 
Um, if I am bidding on an NFT and I get outbid, that's an off-chain uh, action. That's that's like in you know OpenSea's database. That's not an on-chain thing. But we want to. We still think that's important because you want to be able to to know that like, hey, I got outbid. I want to go back and 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 you know either rebid or you know I'm over it. Um, I think that we look at the wallet long term as sort of like this this common denominator common denominator thing that you take with you to all the places you're spending time and it should be sort of the hub of communication and activity of what's happening with the stuff that you own and so in, in addition to just displaying in the app when there's very high value information we try to uh you know we'll, we'll send that as an alert and push notification as much as possible um, but at the same time you know we don't want to spam people and it's really their own activity but um we have a we have finely tuned controls that you can go in and do it um for example you can actually watch other people's wallets with bitsky you can import some else's wallet um just their public key and maybe you don't need to get the alerts for everything that they're doing so you can turn those off that's interesting um i was thinking so you've been building this a while um and Mm -hmm. you've you've been iterating on it with a lot of new features what's been the most significant challenge so far um uh, the only reason i ask is because you got your wallet on ios and um, when we created our app that was a unprecedented nightmare Having anything blockchain based interacting with the Apple, uh, Apple store was just uh, a nightmare. Obviously, what you've built is far, far bigger in scope. So I wonder what, you know, what sort of significant challenges have you had? You know, I listen, we did have some issues early on with Apple that we had to work through. Um, first and foremost, the original architecture for just building the, the, the Bitsky vault is, is something that is novel and not, it's not off the mm. shelf. Um, that was, uh, that's, I, I guess what I would call a little bit of the secret sauce behind this. Um, but the, the other part is, you know, basically every wallet is generally the same. Um, it, like it has access to the same data. It's really about how you take the time to decode it and display it. And mm-hmm. that's really, I think was the hard part for us is that, uh, it, and I shouldn't say it's hard. It just, it, it takes time. I was actually at a talk yesterday where, uh, you know, not to compare this at all, but Sam Altman from Chat GPT was like, you know, it's, we've been working on this for seven years. He's like, you know, people need to remember that, like, it's okay if hard stuff takes a while to do. And mm. and I think that that's really how we've been thinking about the wallet. Like I said, we've been building this since 2018. To get it into a place where it feels like a normal Web2 experience has been no easy yeah. task. Bad standards, choppy networks, you know, early nascent infrastructure. There's been a lot of things that we've had to go through. We've had to build stuff on our own that someone else decided to build a business out of and we would rip out. Um, and that's, you know, kind of you're like, okay, I dedicated resources to this. Now I don't know. Now I can offload it to someone else. So I have to toss this all away. So, you know, you have to be not afraid to kill your darling sometimes. And uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I think the most important part about, about all of this is like, you need to have a common vision with the people that you're working on that like, this is, this is possible that this is technology. This is software. Like we, we think that this is the way that it will be inevitable that people interact with the digital goods they own. This is the, this is the experience or the standard that a wallet should meet. And so long as everyone is on board with that vision, you're going to get there, but you have to have that persistence and you have to have uh, that patience. And so um, I I think the, the hardest part is probably just, the time and effort that it took, you know, we, we'd always like, you know, we had mock-ups of what we wanted this to look like years ago. It just took us a very long time to get it to work in a way that, you know, we were, we thought was acceptable. Mm. Yeah. I think getting um, all of Web3 infrastructure to a point where, as Rob said earlier, his mom can use it is kind of the, the end goal for, for what we, we really want here. I just wanted to touch on kind of other wallet providers in the space. And, you know, ever since I joined the space several years ago, um, you know, you have a wallet and it's drilled into you that, Hey, you need to, 
uh, treat your private keys in such way and treat your seed phrase in this way and here are the best security practices, etc, etc. And it just feels um, very difficult for someone who might not be, you know, a technologically minded person or, you know, mm-hmm. Rob's mum to um, come all into the mums. space. Sorry. My mum is in particular. But in any case, you know, it, it seems that we're, we're asking new people coming into the space to do an awful lot just to keep their own assets safe. So do you think right now there's too much of uh, an emphasis on users coming in to really have to have this um, this hardcore like security mindedness um, all the time whilst they're in the space. Do you think wallet providers should be doing more to protect newcomers into the space and you know ju- just making it easy, making it so that they don't have to you know remember all these things and be ultra protective of seed phrases and all these all this different kind of stuff yeah 100 now listen i i think that you should always have the optionality to 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 take this like more nerdy specific path um this like pre here comes everyone pre-crossing the chasm like i think that that should always be an option i think what people really need to realize is that like what what is exciting about web3 and blockchain to most people is not the technology. It's the experiences that it creates. Um, it's, it's, it's an entirely new primitive of the internet that allows people to do all kinds of different things. The idea of like accruing value and leveling things up. Like there's, there's a lot that can happen there. Um, we're not going to cross the chasm with like, I guess, machismo things like not your keys, not your crypto. Um, sure. If you want to do that, that's fine, but you have to recognize that that is, that is for you and like your, your, you know, group of people that are excited and tweeting about, you know, crypto stuff. Um, other than that, like that, that's useless. And that's actually holding back the space. I actually think a combination of, you know, people that will, cause it's hard to build for both audiences. And I think that that's something, a needle that we may have threaded uh, uh, quite well. Um, and that we can support the existing core audience, but also have a high ceiling of adoption because of the Bitsky vault. Um, it's very hard to build for both. Uh, and I, I think that, Companies generally need to make the decision which way they're going. The short-term win is like, let's build for the community that is still here. Let's build for the community that exists. The thing that the thing that's going to have like long-term outsized returns is like building for the future. And so, um, listen, startups, companies, all like industry is hard. Timing is difficult. Uh, and so I do think that I do think that wallet infrastructure is a big part of it. And I think that the reality is you talk to a lot of different games or a lot of different brands that want to build web three experiences. And they're like, I can't get my users to use this, to use a wallet to set up a seed phrase. Like that's like, it's not that they don't think that they can come up with a creative thing to do with web three. It's that they don't think they can get their users to go through the existing set of hurdles uh, that are out there in order for them to participate. And so I think I, for us, that's a huge opportunity. Um, I, I think that the extent that we can minimize those hurdles, I mean, listen, this, okay. You know, we're recording this podcast I have no idea what protocol we're using. I don't have any idea how this is working. We just get to have a conversation across the planet and it's going to be recorded and uploaded somewhere. That, that's amazing. Like that's, the, that's about the level of depth that most people need to understand how Web3 works. It's, you said something interesting there that I, I want to go back to. Um, you're talking about playing essentially the long game, which I, I think, so I, I've always focused particularly on blockchain gaming uh, and blockchain's application in, in the games industry. And we've really seen that people want to build for the long term, but they knew that the short term rewards is what they needed um, to progress. So a lot of people aimed short term. We saw a lot of browser games, a lot of rubbish, a lot of clicking and just general shit that I never ever want to play again. Um, and we've seen these longer term projects, right? But what you're doing um, has such a wider scope than a game. Um, and so I was wondering what you think 
is going to be the most um, lucrative channels for onboarding people long term. Like right now, if you, if you were to cater for the community right now, you know, perhaps you, you go non-custodial or, you know, you're solving the problems for people in five, 10 years time um, when onboarding is much, much easier. So where do you think it, these people are most likely to come from? What sectors? You know, I really do think that ultimately gaming is going to be the biggest opportunity for Web3. Um, what, I am, what I'm seeing now is that this idea of loyalty uh, and these loyalty applications are, I mean, people love loyalty programs, like outside of Web3, mm. you know, airline miles, whatever it may be. And so um, what I think that you're going to see is a few of those have a little bit lower barrier to entry. It's a little bit easier to build, a, build an interesting loyalty program for a big brand than it is to build a compelling game for a lot of people. And so I think that that'll be a bit of a stepping stone. Um, I love what Nike's doing with Dot Swoosh. I think, I think digital fashion is hands down like the, that's going to be the path to gaming. Like digital fashion is so obvious. Like we all dress a certain way in real life to express ourselves and to be perceived a certain way. Um, that's very limiting in a digital place right now. Even something like as wild as Fortnite that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of outfits. You're still going to see someone wearing the same thing as you in a match generally. You go and stand in the middle of New York City, head to toe, you're not going to find anyone within 5, 10 miles that has the same outfit as you. Like You need to have that level of personalization and self-representation in a digital place. So I think digital fashion is going to be really big with that. I think that you know the, the commitment that Nike's made is going it's, to it's certainly caught a lot of brand's attention. Um, and I think people are going to want to be able to wear those goods in more places. And I think that's how it's going to like creep into gaming. Hmm. So I don't think it needs to, it doesn't need to have a, like I can have purely cosmetic things in games that don't change gameplay, that don't change the the balance, that are just really just like visual representation. I think that is, I think we're going to see that as step one. And I think over time, then you're going to be able to have things that you can potentially modify game state. Um, I also think the other way to think about it is the first phase of gaming with, with digital assets is going to be read only. I see that you own this thing so you can wear it. But I think it's going to be very quick where I see that you you own this thing, you can wear it. And I saw that you went and like, you know, had 25 eliminations. And now I'm going to level up this outfit. Like I'm going to write back, I'm going to modify the NFT that you have so I can actually create more value with it. Like that type of stuff is very, very compelling. So that, that's that's generally the path that I see getting into into gaming and gaming being like the ultimate place where it lives. Now, long term down the rabbit hole, you could just, I mean, I think it could be the future of work. And it doesn't mean that games have to only be work, but maybe, you know, I decide to like pick, I knew you guys would probably see like the GTA 5 role-playing uh, servers. Like maybe mm -hmm. I, instead of like playing, playing like GTA 5, I just want to like drive a cab and earn some like digital tokens to go buy some digital stuff. I don't know. But I think that there's a lot of interesting opportunities there. Um, but, you know, we, we have to kind of get a foot in the door. And I think digital fashion is going to do that for gaming. Yeah, that's a really interesting answer. Um, I've written about, funnily enough, I've written about um, digital fashion for um, John's website, NFT Insider. Um, I, I think it's such an interesting and very fast growing area. A lot of luxury brands have already onboarded themselves um, and quite early on. Um, going back to gaming for a second, obviously that's really my focus and um, it's clearly something that Bitsky's interested in. Um, your wallet is compatible with Polygon and Ethereum. Um, are you looking at all EVM chains, you know, BNB, Avalanche, Solana? Um, is there anything outside EVM? Um, we are looking at primarily EVM. I, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, if we see something compelling uh, on a different chain, you know, we'll consider it. Uh, we aren't. Listen, we're not religious about the chains. We're just religious about where the great experiences are. Sure. Um, and so if, so long as we see something that's quite compelling, that's going to attract a lot of users, I think that we'd be willing to, to support that. But primarily EVM is where we're at right now.
Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, fair play. I, I wanted to, uh, I was just scrolling through your Twitter and I see uh, two days ago, March 8th, you posted that uh, something's coming. Something's coming to do uh, to Bitski uh, with a bit of a teaser uh, with a little uh, droplet icon um, on the app. Do you want to elaborate on what that might be? Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, effectively, listen, we don't expect people to transact daily. Uh, you know, if you've, if you've installed the, the Robinhood app or anything like that, you know, th- there's there needs to be more value to open the wallet daily. And so we think that um, we think that there's an opportunity to provide relevant, very high signal information around the space, around alpha in the space, around the collections that you own. And, um, you know, this this little I guess what we'll call the the the. The drip feed is sort of like our playground for that. So it'll be a very evolving paradigm that will be, I think we'll probably be launching this next week. Um, but, you know, people want to know what's going on with the stuff that they own. They want to know what's going on in the space. And there's not really, you know, there's there's not really an easy way to get a quick digest. If, you know, I only have two minutes in between, you know, this meeting and that meeting. Um, how do we do that? And so we'll be looking to partner with a lot of folks. But, you know, for us, the focus is very much on just providing something that's very high signal and it's curated to you based on your collection um, and what you own. So that's something that uh, we'll continue to share more on. But we're, we're quite excited about it. Interesting. Um, there's one partnership I or really a few partnerships I want to um, ask you about uh, on the site it says you're trusted by some pretty big names I mean there was I've written them down was Adidas Red Bull MLB US Open um, in what way are you working with them because I know a lot of our listeners will have questions on that front um, because there's some more unscrupulous types that will you know have done exchanged an email and they're now partnered with them if you know what I mean so what way in what ways are you working with these titans yeah. So, I mean, listen, a lot of folks wanted to explore and wanted to distribute NFTs in a very easy way. And so mm-hmm. what Bitsky provided was a, a great method um, for NFT creation, uh, NFT distribution and a place for those NFTs to live for these audiences, for these brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for example, the WWE, um, we did an NFT drop during um, WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, they ran a, a live TV ad that we weren't aware of during the WrestleMania, having people to our site. So I think, you know, we had maybe 60, 70,000 concurrent people coming through and they were, you know, able to buy the, the NFTs that they wanted. They were set up with a Bitsky wallet and it was smooth. You bought it with a credit mm. card. And I think that's really, that's really it. I mean, with Red Bull, um, you know, we did a, an event with them during F1 race in Miami this past year. Um, they, they had this, this, this alpha or this operation called a Red Bull Guest House, where it was just a very like, celebrity like influencer type place where they rented out a very nice hotel in Miami Beach um it was invite only and uh you had to have these NFTs in order to access specific elements of the uh of the uh, hotel the restaurant the the parties mm-hmm. and things like that and so every morning they you know users would get a text with a link to claim an NFT that you know that we provided and they would set up their Bitsky wallet and they would claim that NFT and they would go and you know have access to the different events so um you know I'll, I'll say this uh it is early enough in the space where everyone's still experimenting from our perspective, whether it's our wallet or any of the sort of the ancillary tools that we've built around it. Uh, we've really focused on like maintaining strong primitives that you can do that you can use to build any sort of interesting experience. So, you know, we, we're not there isn't anything that we think is from a platform perspective. There's people are still trying a bunch of new things. So it's it's really hard to say, OK, 90 percent of you know brands or somebody are going to want to do this. Um, and, and, and until we get that, we don't, we don't build those type of things, but, um, we just have a, we have a series of primitives that have really helped us, uh, work with a lot of different, uh, variety of, of partners. 
Mm. Cool. Just a quick follow-up on that. Obviously, there's WrestleMania in less than a month's time. Um, the Formula One season just kicked off for 2023. Uh, are we going to see any more um, interactions with Bitski with some of these uh, big sports partnerships? We'll, uh, we'll let you guys know. I mean, I think that um, there's probably some stuff still still brewing. I think, again, everyone's still in experiment mode and wants to continue to learn and try things. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, fair play. Um, of course, when we talk about wallets uh, in the Web3 space, MetaMask is kind of unequivocally the uh, the number one in the space. I think there's there's probably very few people listening to this who have uh, ever not you know had a MetaMask wallet or used MetaMask services before. Uh, and I see again looking through um, Blake, your, your VP of marketing, on his Twitter feed, he's done a, a side by side of using MetaMask and using uh, Bitski at East Denver. So I, I just wanted to kind of dive into um, that a little bit more. For those people listening to this that are, you know, hardcore MetaMask users, have used MetaMask for years, what does Bitski offer to them that really should make them consider jumping across? I mean, well, one on mobile, it's just, I think the video speaks for itself. Uh, it's just a much more performant experience. Um, listen, here's, here's the reality. It, MetaMask is, is an extension. Like we, like I said, we shipped our extension as well. MetaMask is going to have more knobs and whistles, uh, for the advanced user. Um, that's just the kind of, uh, that's just kind of where it is. And that's, it's, it's, it's very highly specialized tool. Um, we think that if you want to have more protection, you want to have, you want to know what, what transactions are what you, that you're signing. You want to have some level of sort of certainty before you hit authorize. We think Bitsky offers a better experience. If you want to have that, if you want to have better introspection as to what's happening on your wallet, a better activity feed, um, if you want it to be more than just effectively a signing tool, uh, that's really where Bitsky shines. Um, you know, listen, over time, we'll start to add and, you know, gracefully add more and more of the complex knobs that, that MetaMask has. Um, but the reality is we don't think, we don't think that we, our intent is never to go and pound, like head to head with MetaMask on their feature set. It's to build the one that we think is for the future. And I think in most cases, the way that a lot of people are using uh, Web3 and wallets, that Bitsky is often uh, a better and safer experience. I, I want to go back to gaming one more time, but uh, linked mm-hmm. to wallets here, really. So there's there's become kind of a, a race as people have seen gaming, blockchain gaming rise very, very quickly. There's been a sort of race to integrate wallets into games um it was back in 2018 i remember writing an article about the first game i ever saw that made it reasonably easy you had to create an entire wallet first but it was like the easiest we'd seen and and now it's getting easier and easier and companies are popping up left and right to to create wallets for it um so i was wondering what makes bitsky good for games to use and do you have uh stks to facilitate that with you know unity or unreal engine we, so we do have SDKs. Um, the, the really, here's the big thing. We are actually an OAuth OIDC compliant wallet, meaning that if you've ever connected like your Gmail to your Epic account, or mm. if you've ever connected two accounts, you can do that with your Bitsky account. There isn't any other wallet that can do that. Um, okay. so for a lot, a lot of these gaming studios that already have their own auth system, this is the best way for a wallet to be connected, like hands down. Um, it hasn't been broadly adopted yet in, in the web three space, but it will because it's obviously, there's a reason that OAuth is a thing. Um, I think that's one big part. The other side of it is we provide uh, programmatic access to wallets for users, which I, I, which probably a little bit more detailed than we can get to in, in this call. But um, we have basically, I would say, enterprise level wallet solutions that that help games either give new users wallets uh, without them having to know about it early on um, and also allow them to automate transactions on chain based on off chain activity. So let's say hypothetically 
player beats level one, you want to give them an NFT as a result of that. You can key off of that off or that off chain event of the player beating level one to mint an on chain transaction. So um, it's really that we offer a suite uh, that really explains that we provide APIs for like any view that you see in our wallet, like the the activity view, your inventory. We provide APIs so you can display that natively in your experience as well. Um, so it's, it's really just kind of offering a strong package, uh, that we, I think we're probably, uh, probably better positioned than most in, in that case. No, it's great to hear. And to flip the conversation into a, another, uh, kind of sector here, um, over the past year, we've seen web three lordy programs really take off. You know, we've seen Starbucks and um, with Starbucks Odyssey do really well. And we've, we're starting to see more and more of these kind of styles of, of programs pop up from some of, you know, the biggest web two businesses out of there. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on where uh, web three lordy programs are right now. And, um, you, you, you know, you just mentioned having drip on the wallet. Um, what's Bisky's take on um, lordy programs? And do you think you'll start um, kind of facilitating or helping brands to further their connection to their fans with these sorts of initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my take is that, um, you know, they're coming. Brands are not phased by the any anything with that crypto Twitter cares about. Brands don't care about for the most part. Um, and from a like it just there's there's a surprising amount of optimism from brands in Web3. Um, I think that from an audience intelligence perspective, there's a lot of opportunity right now. Um, you know, it's important for brands to really understand who their audience is, what, what they like, so they can sort of cross promote, you know, how they can better, you know, get adverts going. Uh, but that hasn't really been blended with Web3 data yet. And so that's something that is, I think is quite exciting to them because with Web3, with a wallet, like not only am I connected to like, the, let's say the Starbucks experience, but if I take my wallet elsewhere, you, you're able to like, you know, learn more about me as a user based on where else I'm using my wallet. And so I think that that is, you know, when when wielded properly can actually create a lot of value and create like a high quality, high signal sort of content for the user. So um Loyalty is absolutely coming. We're certainly going to be helping brands do that. Uh, we've got a great tool set for it. Um, and uh, I, I, like I said, I, I'm I'm very excited about gaming, but I think loyalty is probably going to beat it out of the gate uh, as far as like getting the you know first million or two million people onto Web three, just mm-hmm. because of some of the um, you know or, or the next million or so, uh, just because of the lower barrier for entry and experimentation in loyalty than for gaming. The gaming you have to build a game. Um, you know, with this is way harder. There's a lot of time. Mm. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, there's a question that we tend to ask all our guests, and I don't even think we've had the same answer twice yet. So I, I love asking this now. When it comes to Web three and the direction it's going, what do you think is the biggest issue? What's the biggest barrier that's holding it back from achieving the potential that we, you know, we all think it has? You know, I I think that it's well, first of all, how do I say this without getting totally burnt? I think it's the community, to be quite honest. I think that there's too many bad actors still in the space. I think mm. that there's the financialization of everything has really, has really, it's really fucked with the incentive structure of why people are involved. Because yeah. there are, you know, we're talking about this. We know that this is, we, we know that this is a great new technology that's going to be leveraged in a lot of fun ways. But the reality is that people still are just trying to flip NFTs. People are still just trying to like, apply the DeFi principles to like NFTs. Like you, if you look at blur, I mean, you know, is what it is, but like, that's not helping the space at all. Uh, in fact, it's probably turning people off. And so I think that what's really, what's really challenging is that 
this because this is a primitive technology, it can be used in a lot of different ways. And the ways that it's been primarily used have been just enough interesting to capture the cultural zeitgeist in brands and in celebrities. But it almost is, it's like, it, you know, it, it almost is taking the, the, the path of like Wall Street bets to some degree uh, in the way that people are, are really treating the space. And so um, the good news is, and I think that, you know, the, the sunny side of this is that great builders are building. There was a lot of capital deployed to great companies over the course of 20, 2021, 2022. Um, and we're going to continue to see great things ship starting this year. That gives me, I mean, listen, I've been in Silicon Valley for almost 12 years now. Um, some of the best builders, some of the best product thinkers and engineers that I know are building Web3 projects right now. Um, and they're, they're deep into it and they don't give a damn about like what this collection costs or what that collection costs. They just want to build something fun with this new primitive. And so, um, listen, you've been, we've, we've had the internet for 30 years and the, the internet's had the same set of rules for 30 years or so, maybe 40 years. Up until Web3, it's now that we have this new rule. We have this like new primitive, and that's exciting. It doesn't happen very often. And so it's going to be a little bit of a choppy start, but ultimately th- this idea of ownership is going to be inevitable. And, and like I said, like there's there's great builders that are building. And so to the extent that we can continue to support those folks, that's, that gives me optimism on the space. Yeah, you might be surprised actually about how few people will bite back when you say that the community is a bit of an issue. Um, again, I wrote an article for NFT Insider about cult language in crypto and how it's kind of insulating um, the community. And it, it was, it wasn't as I expected to be torn down for weeks on end, but uh, it's actually, it wasn't as bad. Um, I have one kind of uh, parenthetical question to what you just said, and I really just want to know your thoughts on it. Um, I, I fully agree that we've made everything kind of financial. Everything's an investment rather than doing things you love because you love it. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on play to earn and that whole movement. What do you make of that? Um, I think it was a fine experiment. Um, listen, I, I think that there's, I think there's, there's bits and pieces of everything that we've done in the past couple of years that we can take out and apply uh, to, to uh, bigger schemes. I don't think that play to earn as its own segment is going to have legs. Um, I do think mm-hmm. having, I, I do think that there are moments that it can be used. Uh, let's, let's say like sparingly, which I think are engaging to users. Yeah. But otherwise, um, yeah, it, it, it was, again, it was, it was like play to earn is borderline Ponzi in a lot of ways. And so like, we, th- that's not really, that's not really fun for anybody. And mm. it, it, it don't, they can only last so long before you just run out of like exit liquidity. And so yeah. like, I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, listen, it was interesting. It was new. It was novel in the way that it was, it, way that it was done. And, and by the way, friends with a lot of the founders of the play to earn games, um, all genuine people trying to build something they thought was compelling and fun. Uh, but you know, human nature takes its, you know, has its, its ups and downs, I suppose. And so, mm. um, you know, some of these things have been abused a little bit. And so I think with better protection and like more used more sparingly, I do think it could be a, a somewhat of a component of gaming moving forward. Yeah, I suppose we'll see. I think 2023 is going to be quite a big year for, for blockchain games with a lot of uh, homegrown projects and big partners from, you know, the Web2 games moving in. So let's see. Um, whilst we're on kind of bigger picture macro topics, um, there's a lot of activity happening on the infrastructure side of, of Web3 at the moment. Um, Silvergate banks just winded down operations. Silicon Valley banks in distress. Uh, Crypto.com just had some issues maintaining their fiat on ramps. Um, as someone who is building, you know, a key piece of infrastructure in, in terms of a wallet for the Web3 space, um, what's your take on the current Web3 landscape and where we're currently at in 2023? 
You know, the people that are around are true believers in it. You know, it's, you know, we have other technologies that have, you know, certainly AI is one that has been capturing a lot of the interest around, you know, entrepreneurs and investors in the space. Um, and I don't think that that's mutually exclusive, uh, mutually exclusive from Web3. Um, but, you know, I think the hype has died down and I think that's a good thing. Um, hype is intoxicating and, you don't know why things are working during hype cycles. They just work. And so you can mm. double down on things that may be the wrong thing. And so now um, the space is in, a, is, in, is in a situation where if you see something working, that's because you've worked really hard to get it there. And, you know, you have conviction in the things that are happening. Um, you know, I, there was times in 2021 during, you know, the peak of like, well, I mean, just random celebrities just had my phone number all of a sudden, or just like calling me to to to, to do like a drop. Or I'm like, this is in, this is absolutely insane. Like my, it, it, anyway, but now it's not like that, and I think that's great. I think that you have uh, these again true believers that are very genuinely invested in the space, genuinely uh, committed to the technology, and and not the technology in a way that like, hey, like it, it's. For me, it's less about like the decentralization aspect of it. It's very much like, I think this is just going to be make better experiences. I think that people are going to enjoy themselves in digital places more if they can own things and they can like represent themselves. And so, um, again, kind of what I was mentioning earlier is so long as you and the, and the company of folks that you work with have that shared vision, like, yeah, you know, that's going to be a rocky path. Startups aren't easy. Early technology isn't easy. But if you both, if you, if you genuinely believe in this vision, you find a group of people that also genuinely believe in it, like, and you're persistent, like great things are going to happen. And so that's kind of where we are right now. Again, still, um, yeah, obviously, you know, the Silvergate, like th there's, there's going to be some, even with SVB yesterday, uh, SVB less to do with web three, more to do with just the, the fickleness of markets at this point, um, is just, uh, the, you know, that's a bigger macro question. Um, the, 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 the smallest amount of information can send, you know, riptides, you know, through the, in, the entire global infrastructure, which is just, fascinating and devastating all at once uh but um you know I, the, the hope is that like people you know people stay calm and people kind of like realize that at least from a crypto perspective that like the regulation especially in the u.s needs to happen um we need to get a better understanding that needs to be less uncertainty um the only way that uh we start to even see more builders come into the space is if we can sort of de-risk that and say like hey you're not going to be you know, you're, you're not going to be accused of doing something wrong. Like, uh, you know, I, I even think there was news like a couple of weeks ago that something said some judge ruled that uh, top shop moments were, were security. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. It was also like my golf clubs of security because I can sell them. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. And so I, I think that we're going to, um, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to see this, this type of information kind of like, and it's not even confusion. It's just people being exposed to something new, making an early assumption on it. And then not really like thinking it all the way through. Like, you know, I have the benefit of being in the space for four years now, five years. Like most people don't have that. And so, um, you know, uh, I think it'll all sort of net out. Some of the smartest people I know, uh, like on the planet are, um, who have thought about this for a while are, are very deeply convicted in, in the, in the, in the opportunity of Web3 on tokens, uh, NFTs. And so, um, I think it's just a matter of time. And again, come back down to having like persistence and faith in the vision. Yeah, I definitely say time seems to be the biggest factor. I know every year people think this is it, this is the year, but realistically, we just got to take those little steps and um, get towards the ultimate goal. So this has been great. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. It's been a very interesting yeah. chat. We covered a lot of subjects, <laughs> probably more than we, we intended, but there's been uh, a lot of interesting points. So now I just want to get you to direct our listeners, really. Where do you want them to go? What do you want them to sign up for? Who do you want them to follow? Shill away. 
All right. All right. Chillworthy time. Okay. So bitsky.com, B-I-T-S-K-I.com. You can get access to the browser extension and the iOS wallet there. Um, follow us at Bitsky or follow me at Donnie, D-O-N-N-I-E on Twitter. Um, and that's where you get most of the information about what's coming up, uh, new releases. Um, I'll tell you also, we do weekly giveaways and drops in the app. Um, and raffles of like, you know, high, high ticket, uh, NFTs. Um, we work with great artists and collaborators to, to make sure that there's something engaging for people, uh, coming into the space at all times. So highly recommend everyone install the, install the wallet and, and take advantage of those, uh, those, those giveaways and drops. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions or anything, you know, hit me up directly on Twitter, uh, DM me. Um, DMs are open. Uh, DM the Bitsky account. Uh, we have a lot of great people behind there helping as well. So um, appreciate you guys letting me come on and uh, and talk a little bit about what we're what we've been building. It's been great. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been a good chat, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on in the future to discuss how things have gone. Love it. We'd love to. Okay. Thanks, Donny. Thanks, guys. Well, there we go. Thank you very much to Donny Dinch, not Donny Darko. Rob. Um, no, God, <laughs> how have you outed me on on live? It's, I'm you. so sorry, Donny. I just I, I kept every. I had to write your names. So we have a document where we write down questions and notes and stuff. And I had to write Donny Dinch, Donny Dinch, Donny Dinch, Donny Dinch over and over again because the first time I couldn't remember your name, I said Donny Darko, and that was it. Like it's just it's in my head. It's just awful. We're getting a brilliant behind-the-scenes look at the podcast here. Yeah, um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was the a shambles. That, that was a really good chat, actually. Um, it was. It, it's it was very really, interesting. It's really cool to have um, have the CEO of Bitsky on the pod. It's the first kind of main infrastructure builder we've had on, and it's great yeah. to have that sort of different perspective mm. to the people that are just building games or have art projects or trivia or whatever it is. It's it's interesting to get a, a really um, I say more of an in-depth take on kind of where the space has been, where it is right now, and where it go, where yeah. it should be going in the future. From someone who's actively building it, and yeah. Um, yeah, I think everyone who's listening to this, if you haven't already, definitely head to the uh, the Bitsky uh, Bitsky website, Bitsky dot com. <coughs> Apologies, I've had a cold for like a week, and it's not getting any better. So, Rob, I'm going to throw it to you with zero context say i'm things. just gonna take over stop talking <laughs> it's fine <laughs> save yourself <laughs> um okay so you can find uh us at tokengamer.io um you're you're coughing viciously i can i can see that out of the corner of my fine. eye um tokengamer.io for daily blockchain gaming news and various pieces of information that you might need uh, at tokengamer news on uh twitter and then um, I'm posting fairly actively on LinkedIn. So if you use LinkedIn, uh, look for our Token Gamer page. Uh, we then have the Token Gamer app, of course, which is on iOS and Android. Just search Token Gamer. That is getting some major upgrades. We had an amazing suggestion today um, to do with our activity notifications. Someone wanted it uh, to only do push notifications when um, they sell something, which is a great idea. And we're now adding that. We're, someone's working on that right now. So if you have any other ideas for the app, come into our Discord, go feedback and tips, give us an idea i will throw you an nft as a thanks like it is it's great stuff um seeing people using it and then coming up with these um ideas and then of course we are currently testing the integration of polygon so polygon users and um polygon games are going to be all up in the mix i think that's everything from us that i can think of john if you've finished coughing where can people find you yeah just about i wonder if you'll be working on bitsky wallet support rob <laughs> yeah, we, we could do. I mean, the activity feed is kind of what we've done for 
the wax wallet and what we're doing for polygon is a similar thing and, and people like he he said in the episode about um a little bit like banking you know when a transaction happens you get a notification i like that with my banking i like seeing when my girlfriend is spending my money um she, she doesn't do that that's harsh um but I, I like to see when money comes out of the joint account so i can be like mm, what was that I need to investigate. Um, Getting in trouble on the pod again. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't listen, thankfully. Uh, If she did, if if her or Dave, and Dave definitely should listen, but if her or Dave listened, I'd definitely be getting some shit, but um, I'm not. So where can people find you, John? Brilliant. Um, So for daily um, NFT, Web3 and blockchain gaming news, it's nftinsider.io and uh, nftinsider, uh, at nftinsider underscore io on Twitter, Instagram, all those good places. Uh, YouTube as well, um, um, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash NFT Insider. I think that's what it is. But mm. anyway, um, we just uploaded our top five wax games of 2022. It has some really good feedback. If you've not seen it already, uh, give it a watch. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you missed your favorite game off. Um, I made a point of not including clickers. So Oof. actual good games on wax. So yeah, go check that out. Uh, for me personally, it's at hydropowered, H-Y-D-R-O-P-W-R-D on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, Clubhouse, many other places. Twitter is the best one. Um, shout out to Clon, the creator of Cool Cats, for doing my um, front-facing cat um, on request uh, to get this awesome alchemy chains Cool Cats front-facing chain thingy done. There's um, so many words that have confused me in, in, in this paragraph. <laughs> so, so um, Al- Alchemy Chains on Twitter, um, they create, um, well, metal chains out of the NFTs that you own. Oh, cool. Uh, and, a bit like Tiffany yeah, did, but less yeah, garish. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, really cool. And uh, yeah, well, I reached out to Clon because I wanted to get mine with the, the front-facing cat. Um, and he was, he sorted me out. So yeah, looking forward <laughs> to seeing the rest of the cool cats fam, um, get their front facing cats. I believe they're uh, getting close to all being done. So there we go. Um, that is everything from me. So I think it's time for us to, to wrap up episode 59 of the Moment One podcast before I have another coughing fit. And um, <laughs> thank you very much for um, watching or listening, everybody. Um, if you're on YouTube, like subscribe would be fantastic. Leave a comment with who you'd like us to interview next. I think, mm. uh, might look for some more infrastructure people. It's interview really season chat. for us. Yeah, it was only three in a row, and uh, ooh, I know we've got a couple more mm. um, in discussions at the moment, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, let us know who you'd like to see us speak to. Um, and then if you're on Apple or Spotify, five-star podcast review would be fantastic. Um, Twitter, at Mint1Pod, and share the podcast around. It's great to be getting more listeners in. Um, I think our last uh, three four episodes have been our most popular ones to date. Uh, it's great to see nice. um, a load more fans um, come to the pod. So hey, if you're if you're new and you've made it to the end of this pod, come jump in our Discord servers, um, Token Game Discord, the NFT Inside Discord. We'd love to say hello and uh, yeah, chat to you guys about uh, about this episode. So there we go, um, episode fifty nine and minute one. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. We hope you tune in again next week. Okay.